This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. On March 28th, 2015, you have a very important decision to make. A decision that will affect firearms ownership now and into the future. I have my own personal voting habits, but this is not about me. It's about you and who you vote for at the upcoming New South Wales election. The audio podcasts you are going to hear for episode 80 and 81 are from two political parties who have policies that are positive for outdoorsmen. It is my hope that you will listen to these two podcasts and make a decision that will help hunters, shooters and fishers now and into the future. I am here to provide you with all the information to help you make an informed choice on election day. I am not here to tell you who to vote for, regardless of my personal voting choice. The show must remain independent at all times, and I'm sure all my listeners will understand my position. I have excluded any media on the Greens, Labor Party and the Liberal Party. This is because all those parties support the National Firearms Agreement of 1996. The Australian Hunting Podcast does not support the National Firearms Agreement of 1996 in any form, and we would always support any party who proposes to abolish it. In 1996, the Howard government committed the biggest attack on Australian shooters in the history of gun ownership in Australia. Today, we are still paying that price. I'd like you to remember that when you head to the polls on March 28th. If you want to secure your rights to gun ownership now and into the future, make your vote count on Election Day. Our future of gun ownership depends on it. My name is Jason Selms, and good luck on March 28th. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Robert Borzak, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks again. I think we've been... What is this, Rob? The third time, I think. Yeah, I think this is the third or fourth time. Maybe Jason, yeah. could, could be the fourth. I know you, yeah. we're coming up for election, but before we talk about that, uh, let's talk about yourself on a bit of a personal level. I know, I know you just definitely love your hunting and your shooting, but uh, you know, do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above, and tell us about it and how you got into it? Oh, all of the above. I think um, uh, I'm, I started off doing a bit of spearfishing when I was a young fella. I had the opportunity through school, some school friends, to start a bit of hunting. Uh, saved up my first, saved up my pocket money, did a bit of part-time work, bought my first shotgun, started shooting rabbits down the south coast, uh, did my first deer hunting when I joined the New South Wales Deer Stalkers Association. Um, yeah, I've been an active and avid hunter and more so than a fisher, although I've, I've, I have got a uh, 5.3 metre brooker, um, which I have been getting out on a bit during the campaign, uh, although I don't get to see it much, the... Uh, <laughs> it's got Shooters and Fishers Party stickers all over it, and Steve Bowler. He's always in it. <laughs> He's always in it, yeah, uh, and all going around to some some show or other. But, uh, yeah. but that said, um, I've been out on a few times recently, and uh, 
I've got a 90, 90 horsepower uh, Suzuki four-stroke on there, so yeah. that's nice. I was going to say, you could probably get um, you know, someone to do Steve Bowler's job for free, wouldn't you? You'd be loving out there fishing well, all the time. Well, uh, mate, if I could get someone to do Steve <laughs> Bowler's job for free, they could have it. Uh, but, I'd not, but I wouldn't sack, sack Steve Bowler. I'd keep him going. He's a fantastic young man, and uh, yeah. he's, he, the passion he demonstrates for the party and shooting and hunting uh, uh, is uh, incredible. And it's, he's doing it not just for the money, because he doesn't get paid huge amounts of money, he's doing it for love. Uh, and uh, But uh, anyway, that's getting away from me so much. But uh, And I think therein lies the rub uh, with the Shooters and Fishers Party. It's full of uh, uh, people who uh, are very dedicated, who are passionate about their, uh, I know I won't even call it sport, I'll call it their culture. Um, not just hunting, although the hunting tends to prevail in our, in our organisation as a major issue, but uh, also... Uh, shooting, uh, range work, all sorts of things. It's uh, it's very complicated. Um, we've been, uh, and I've been involved in the party almost from day one. I think it was about 93 I joined. Um, I've been chairman of the party a number of times, um, although I'm not now. But the big thing for us, of course, we've got uh, a little over a week to go uh, to the March 28th election day here in New South Wales. And... Uh, We've effectively been on this campaign trail um, since I launched the campaign in September 2013, and uh, uh, that's taken us right through to where we are today. And um, if you ask me a question later on about the campaign and, and what we're doing, I'll be happy to tell you a bit more yep. detail. Well, let's do that now. I mean, I know this is one of the uh, we were talking before we sort of came on air about being one of the biggest and financial campaigns you've ever done in the history of the party. So, tell us about it. What's happening? What's been? What's, what's well, been? Um, uh, it, What's happening is that the uh, the campaign is uh, much better planned, it's much better organised, it's much better run simply because of what I just said a few minutes ago. We've started the run-up to the campaign nearly 18 months ago and uh, it gave us a much better chance to uh, chase the money resources we require to run the campaign but also to get the people resourcing and the planning in place. See, for the first time, the party now has its own premises. We have a, an office at Castle Hill with a it's actually a factory unit with uh, an office uh, within it and uh, a meeting and meeting room upstairs. Excuse me, we have plenty of space to organise ourselves to uh, uh, package and uh, you know, pack and unpack and we can pack a truck in there and you know all those sort of things you need to have. Uh, a very flexible space when you're working on a campaign and that's really where we're seeing the benefit of that. In the past we've always had to rent space or borrow space off, off various organisations and the SSAA, during Roy's campaign, uh, we used their, their space at St Mary's um, during the uh, 2011 campaign. Uh, well, we didn't really use, they didn't have any space for us, so we didn't use that. We used uh, basically <laughs> a garage somewhere to, <laughs> to get it all done. Uh, but this time round, we've got a proper uh, professional arrangement with our own property, and uh, and there we there we have an office with. Uh, Staff. We hired. Uh, I hired uh, Tim Horan, who's got a strong organisational campaign and communications background uh, with the Labor Party. He's uh, he's a campaign and political junkie, very clever young fella, um, and he's been working now for us since April, first of April last year, or second of April, I think it was. I never start anybody on the first of April for obvious reasons. <laughs> it's um, but uh, on the second of April he started and. Uh, He's been working as our uh, state director and a campaign manager ever since. And the campaign itself, I think we'll spend, we've spent the best part of a million dollars on it, um, which is the best finance we've ever had. Um, 
we will get uh, at least one re-elected. Um, I think we're sitting with a very, very good chance of getting a second one up. Um, we've basically been running the campaign in three major streams. We've been running... Uh, if, if we're going to be successful as shooters in prevailing in the, in the argument, we, we can't just rely on shooters voting for us or just fishers voting for us, although they, they are the important core constituency we always have to look after. We've also got to convince other people in society that we're not a threat to them, that we're good, and that they can, in, in fact, think about supporting us. So what we've been doing is um, we run one thread of campaign that's appealing to the regional area of New, areas of New South Wales, one, one appealing uh, to the Sydney vote, and then a specific uh, core uh, or a third strand, not that, not that anyone is one first, second or third, it's just a third strand where we're appealing specifically to the shooters and fishers, four-wheel drivers and other related outdoor activity uh, type uh, uh, sporting activities, if you like, or cultural activities. And, and then what we've done that, there is then we've spread that across uh, the various uh, areas that we can actually uh, advertise or promote ourselves in. So, for example, we're this time for the first time because we've had, uh, I would never say plenty of money, but we've had more money than we've had in the past. We were able to, we've, we've organised and we were able to put messages on 22 billboards around the state. Now, we haven't had the money to be able to afford the big billboards in Sydney that you know, can cost you up to sixty, seventy thousand, dollars 70000 dollars $100,000 a fortnight. We haven't got that sort of money, but we put some really good messages out there on uh, in the bush on 22 billboards around the state. Uh, we've done, for the, for the first time since I think John first got elected, we did a little bit of TV advertising. We've never had the money in the past on it. This time we've, uh, we've decided that we're going to go to TV. Again, we're not really buying primetime TV here in New South Wales in the, in the big cities because we really can't afford it. But what we have done is we've, we've put together five... Uh, cartoon-based um, type advertisements on various themes. And uh, if you go to our, our Facebook page, if anyone's interested, you'll see that they're starting to appear on there. And they're, and they're messages that deal with, uh, for example, the issues around regional New South Wales, the issues of employment, the issues of an untrustworthy government, uh, for example, with O'Farrell, uh, you know, the effects of a green... Uh, the, the greens on uh, outdoor activities, etc., etc. Then we've also we're also running quite a comprehensive radio uh, campaign. Um, we've got uh, I, I got I asked John Tingle to voice a number of advertisements for us, which he's done. Um, he's still a strong supporter of the party, despite some of the rumours that were being floated by personal persons unknown some time ago. Uh, John also has written a very strong letter to all concerned, which I think we circulated a couple of weeks ago to all the members of the party and also via our uh, 15,000 strong email tree uh, recommending that people you know, pull the finger out, support the party and get out there and volunteer and vote for the party. Um, what else have we done? Oh, we've got uh, newspaper advertising. Uh, we've got a fair bit of that going, about, going on. We've advertised, I think, in about 12 or 13 different ethnic papers. We've done uh, local press. Here in um, here in Sydney, uh, you know, like the Cumberland Press, the the, the Weekly Freeze, for example, um, we've also advertised extensively um, on um, radio, TV. What's the other one? Oh, I can't think of the other one. Anyway, what we've <laughs> done is we've because because we've just done so much in the past. The creative approach to these things and the advice we were getting from certain people was very limited 
but this time round we've, we've, we've got a much wider palette, if you like, to work from. Um, we've hired a social media company who's been working with us for the last two months. And I don't know whether you've noticed. Yeah, absolutely, I have. I was going to mention that to you. Um, absolutely. Yeah, we've 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 got we've got uh, we're getting. Um, they've been driving a lot of the stuff on the. Uh, on the social media for us, both on Twitter and uh, Facebook primarily. Um, and uh, I think we've, uh, we've also been doing targeted um, placements there. Um, and I think, well, I think we've had one or two posts get up as high as 250, 300,000 views. Mm. Um, and again, the good thing about that, that particular um, social media medium is that, uh, is that it's cheap. It's very targeted. We can target in on people interested in outdoor activities, hunting, shooting, fishing, and we can delimit it also to New South Wales only. So that's been a real boon for us. Um, we've seen the, the number of likes on our homepage go up to nearly 55,000 in six weeks from yeah. about 20,000 or 25,000. It's more than doubled in six weeks. Mm. So there's an intense amount of activity and, and uh, interest there. Um, and uh, again, like you say, you, I mean, I know you follow our Facebook page along with a whole lot of other people, but you can see you can see the the stuff that's been going on there and the sort of um, approach and uh, uh, popularity that it's that it's got. Um, radio, TV. Oh, the other the other thing, of course, is we've just finished a uh, two week bus tour around uh, the regional parts of New South Wales um, with the shooters and fishers. Uh, bus with the messages all over it, um, starting in parks uh, where the, where Steve Lee uh, lives and has the bus, and he he came on board with us for two weeks, and we drove the bus from parks up through all the towns up to Coona Barabrand, across the across the Dubbo, up to Coona, then across to um, uh, I think over to Inverell, and then back to Tetherfield, and then down the coast, uh, visiting with more Grafton, blah blah, then. And I think we took it back, that's right, the guys took it back to Gyra. That's uh, where I caught up with them again, and then we went from Gyra, oh, various towns, Forbes, etc., back down through Orange. Then then they headed south down towards uh, uh, Hay and Daniloquin, and then back, uh, oh, I'm just out Newcastle, that's right, we went to Newcastle as well. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, two weeks, probably, I don't know, uh, 40-odd towns uh, doing media. Uh, one day I did five separate media events in, in three different towns. Um, and to say I was <laughs> buggered by the end of it is another <laughs> statement. Um, so, yeah, it's been very, very intense um, and I think also very productive. And, and the messages, of course, that we're putting out there are not just the messages relating to shooting and fishing. And that's why we've had so much interest from the, the media in general too. Because this fight... For us, in the uh, is a fight for the upper house, and uh, anyone that would could possibly contemplate supporting the uh, current government, yep. uh, getting control of the upper house, and therefore doing whatever they like to shoot us in the next four years, when we have stopped them doing things to this in the last four years, mm. has got to have rocks in his head. Agreed, mate. Tell us, uh, a lot of people 
you know, vo- uh, to, about volunteers. You know, a lot of people, they want their rights back, but they're generally apathetic and very lazy when it comes to, yeah. um, you, know, at, you know, getting out there and fighting for their shooting rights, fighting for their hunting rights, fighting for extra land to hunt on. So how do we get people involved? And like, cause I, mean, I know other countries, uh, especially America, I mean, even New Zealand, they're really passionate about their firearms ownership. With Australia, they seem to, we seem to sort of just bend over and, you know, off you go and, you know, we, we just take it. How do we get people to volunteer? How do we get people involved? Well, how, this, how do we... we've, run a, we've run a very proactive volunteer program here. Um, I mean, I'm talking about volunteering on Election Day, of course, and we've got uh, the best, we've got, I think, nearly 1,200 volunteers turning out on election day uh, to cover nearly 800 polling places in the state, which is good, but still not good enough. Um, There are something like, um, uh, I think, 17 or 1,800. It's twice as many polling places as what we're going to cover. Now, obviously, some of them are very small. Um, We're very well represented in the bush with probably 600 people volunteering. But the Sydney Metro, I think we're, we're lucky to be doing um, 200 or 250 people putting their hand up okay. to help us. And that is a terrible shame. And I think a lot of that gets down to what you were suggesting there. Um, you know, people do need to get out on the day and actually volunteer and do things if they want to see change. You you know, you shouldn't be leaving it to the other bloke to do it. You know, they should yep. be, In the end, what we're talking about is just one day in four years, turn out there for your yeah. sport, turn out there for your culture and support the only party that supports shooters in this state. Yeah, well... In fact, in this country. Yeah, that's a good one for the listeners. So if you're hearing that, this one's Robert's going to go live this weekend as a pre-election sort of special. So, you know, on the 21st or 22nd of March. So if people are listening to it, get off your quinces. Just contact Tim, Tim Horan, the campaign manager there, and organise to get out to one of your local polling booths and uh, help out. I mean, 250. If in the city, surely there's more people in the city. It's a city of four and a half million people, Robert. We need to get people out there representing. That's right. There's, uh, you know, the city of Sydney, I think, has probably got um, the best part of 100,000 licensed shooters in it, and the best we can get is 250 to step up to the plate. On You don't have to be a member of the party to do it. Um, you can volunteer, go out, even if you only go for a few hours around lunchtime. Uh, it, it can double or sometimes triple the vote in the, in the polling places where you're at. Um, we're printing a million um, how-to-votes, and we need people there to hand them out. That's right. I mean, look, 100,000 and 250, it's not good, guys. So get involved. Contact Tim or Robert or the party. There's, what's, is there an email there, Robert, we can contact? Uh, or the so, best thing or, to do is to just to email T Horan. T-H-O-R-A-N at S-F-P dot org dot A-U. Perfect. Um, I guess tell us who, for people that don't know who's running or who's involved with the party right now and who's going to be up for election, they want to know who they're voting for, tell us who's involved with the party and who are the current elected representatives and who's up for, who, who wants to be elected. Well, uh, there's currently two elected representatives and that's uh, myself uh, and uh, Robert Brown. Um, who's up for election this time is myself. Number one on the ticket. Number two on the ticket is uh, Peter Johnson. Uh, and number three is Carl Houseman. And I think number four is um, Steve Lee. I think it's Steve Lee. And then we actually number right down to 21, believe it or not. But obviously, uh, if we can get two up, we'll be miraculously ha- happy because that will give us three in the house. And without belabouring the point too much, um, 
what the government is hoping to do this time in the upper house, because they will, the odds are that they will win the lower house, but with a reduced majority. What will uh, what their uh, target is to win the upper house with it, by getting at least nine uh, elected to the upper house in the coalition, in other words, li- li- Liberal and National Party. If they do that, then effectively they can uh, they can ignore us when it comes to doing things. Uh, in the upper house, so they, they can then rely on Fred Nile and the, Christian, the two Christian Democrat votes to get things done. So, if they decided they wanted to do something, they would just do it. Um, they don't need us. We couldn't stop them, for example, on the sale of poles and wires. We couldn't stop them on, uh, you know, uh, or discourage them, I should say, on bad firearms legislation because we wouldn't have a sanction against them later on. We couldn't do anything to them to try and stop them. We couldn't threaten. Uh, reprisals like we've done in the past, which has mm. stopped them from doing things to us. Mm. All right, we'll be, we're going to get a quick break and we'll be back with Robert Borzak from the Shooters and Fishers Party. G'day, I'm Peter Johnson from the Shooters and Fishers Party and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I've been a hunter and a fisher all my life. It's in my blood and I want to make sure that the next generation of hunters and fishers have the same opportunities that I did when growing up. That's why I'm standing as a candidate for the Shooters and Fishers Party. No other party is fighting for the rights of firearm owners and fishers. And in March 2015, I'll be asking for your support to continue the fight for our rights. To find out more, please visit us, www.sfp2015.org.au. Hey Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course Jason, that place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know Jason they always have bulk ammo specials? Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park or call them on 9620-1313. For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes and hoppies gun cleaning products. Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear. All at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412 495 712. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. 
course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit www.sydney.net. Robert, I know there was a, a good result in Victoria. I just wanted to go on a bit of a national uh, level now at the moment. We've had some great results. Which we'll hit two in one with uh, two birds with one stone, I guess. First one is the uh, election, great election results for Daniel Young and Jeff Borman in Victoria, and also Rick Mazza in WA with the uh, good report that just came back. Uh, Rick's putting the cat amongst the pigeons over there for hunting on public land in WA. So how do you feel about those two things? Oh, I, I mean, I'm just uh, ecstatic about it. It's been... Uh uh, our strategy for a long time when we've had, whenever the opportunity arose that we wanted to obviously try and expand the influence of the Shooters and Fishers Party uh, nationally. Um, we still obviously campaign at, at each federal election. Um, we weren't successful at the last, but we'll definitely be having another go in uh, or about September 2016 when the next federal election is due. Uh, but as far as Rick getting up two years ago, that was absolutely fantastic. His inquiry into public land hunting looks like he'll get up with a uh, a, um, a trial there on that, and I just keep my fingers crossed that he'll get the support he needs to get that done. Uh, as a one-man band over there, it's not easy getting things done. Uh, you can spend a lot of time and effort talking to people and get nowhere. Uh, God knows John Tingle did that for many years. Uh, but uh, as far as Victoria is concerned, we've we've proved that. Uh, uh, Victoria does need and does want a Shooters and Fishers Party. And uh, uh, the other organisations that have tried to stand in our way in the past now have simply disappeared. And uh, what we're going to try to do in the future is to grow that influence and uh, that party in Victoria because uh, no matter how you cut it, Victoria is, is a, a keystone state when it comes to hunting uh, issues. And uh, it, hunters in that state need to be supported. and. In uh, Daniel, uh, you've got a lifetime uh, shooter and hunter, and you've got the same in Jeff Borman, exactly the same. So uh, it's 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 well, it's just I don't know I'm speechless uh, how, how, how happy we are. I mean, we are in a situation today where the Shooters and Fishers Party have five members in three different parliaments in Australia, and uh, that's never ever been the case for us ever in the past, and. Hopefully we'll continue that and improve it in the future. Our strategy is uh, money willing uh, or money available is that we're going to contest every election everywhere we possibly can in Australia to try to put shooters and hunters and fishers on the political map so that uh, we cannot be ignored and treated and swept under the carpet and trodden all over just because uh, someone feels like it in mm. big parties. Good stuff. I know uh, you like to hunt big game and you like to head overseas, but what are some of the conservation benefits? We'll go into the uh, Glenn McGrath hunting debacle in just a second. You've been pretty vocal on 2GB and other radio stations across New South Wales and around the States. Um, tell us what are the conservation benefits in hunting in Africa? Well, the conservation, uh, the conservation benefits are very, very um, you know, well documented and they're, they're historical. Um, the one thing, one of the major things that you know, there's been a lot of talk of lately is, uh, you know, with, as you mentioned, the Glen McGrath issue is, is elephant hunting, and one of the important things with uh, his name popping up and me, people having a go at me, is that you get a chance to uh, lift the profile of that particular issue and uh, get to explain to people what real conservation is, and real conservation is 
is not uh, shutting things down, closing down and then rolling over to the abuse, both personal and other, that I get, for example, and certainly that McGrath has got, but uh, is to ex explain to people how these programs work. Um, uh, you know, for example, in Zimbabwe or Tanzania or, or in, uh, in um, uh, I can't think of any other places, but nor uh, southern Rhodesia and northern Rhodesia, the old countries, yep. those countries have had programs where a tolerance has been taught uh, amongst the locals by giving them reward for uh, working with local and international hunters who come in, give them money to participate in their conservation programs. And uh, you got, if you take a country like Kenya, for example, which banned uh, hunting in 1977, and just pick one species only, and that's elephants because it's a good one, uh, they had a population in 1977 after um, probably the best part of 100 years of indiscriminate hunting, but still they had a population of over 120,000 elephants. They banned all forms of hunting in, uh, in Kenya in 1977. Today they have less than 20,000 elephants left. Mm. Take the other example uh, of um, uh, Zimbabwe, who probably in the same period of time started with about 40 to 45,000 elephants, have had a very vigorous well-funded and properly maintained hunting program, even under that despot Mugabe, right? Because the programs do work. I've been accused, you know, I've been accused of putting money into uh, the pockets of uh, these criminals in those countries, and they are criminals. But the reality is, the hunting programs, the national parks programs, etc., work. As difficult as they happen in those countries, they work. They have now not 45,000 elephants. They have nearly 100,000 elephants. And it's got to the point now where in, in Hwangi National Park, for example, those elephants are in plague proportions. And lion numbers have increased in those country, in that country to the point now where they have excellent numbers of huntable lions. And what does the Australian government do? They ban the importation of trophies because they say that those, those lions, when hunted in the wild, are canned hunts. Yep, okay. No, really, it was, uh, a lot of my listeners have expressed <laughs> very different points of view, some really supportive of Glenn McGrath, and, you know, some also shooters are not very happy, Robert, that, you know, they say he sold us down the river, and why didn't he just come out and say, yeah, this is great for conservation? I mean, as you'd know, Glenn, I think, you know, his wife obviously knew as well, or his um, uh, past wife, you know, that he was a big hunter, he loved his hunting, I mean, he's been on the double S double A magazine, and he's expressed a lot of interest in really enjoying um, and wanting to go to Africa to hunt, because he enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a a little bit disappointed too that he actually I, I've got to say know. I agree with I agree with you and, and your listeners because uh, um, I don't want to be personally critical of him but uh, he's uh, he's running a very big business in the uh, McGrath Foundation it just looked to me like some spin doctor you know the, the basic explanation was oh, I went mad your honor because I was depressed and I went and shot an elephant I mean that, what what sort of answer is that I mean that is a disgrace it really is um, you know, I mean, we, we know what a keen hunter he is. We know, we know what a good bloke he is. I don't know him personally. Um, uh, I'm, he's a lovely man, I'm sure. But to come up with something like that is yeah. a betrayal.
And some of the things we heard from the Greens and the Greenies on Twitter, how about, you know, turn the gun on yourself? I mean, what's wrong with these Greenies, Rob? I just I can never understand how they, how they think. They'd rather kill uh, humans than animals. I just, I just don't understand this logic. Well, there's, no, but that's the whole point. There is no logic to it. There is no logic. It's not logical. It's an, it's an emotional hate reaction and bigotry. That's what it is. They don't like what you do, so therefore you're not allowed to do it. But there's no reason or rational, rationale to it. I mean, I'm, I'm forever answering uh, people like that on our Facebook page, and, and I get emails. I've just had another, another run of emails from uh, elephant, uh, elephant hunting haters and lion hunting haters. I mean, I, I, mate, I get this stuff all the time, every day of the week. It's really, you know, uh, I, 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 yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to call it anymore. I, 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 I mean, I've lost count of the number of, uh, of, of rubbish that I've, I've received and the personal threats I've had. And you know, they're going to burn my house down and they're going to kill my kids. And you know, I'm just giving a break. Silly, isn't it? This is the shit I got to put up with. Yeah. Recently, I mean. This is a big one. I know this is a federal issue, but obviously this affects us all. Recently, hunters have been under fire from uh, Environment Minister Greg Hunt and MP Jason Wood. I mean, one, what can we stop? How can we stop these fools? Because it seems Mr. Hunt uh, wants to tell me, and I mean, again, my podcast is also about firearms ownership, but it's also about freedom. And I've seen uh, the Shooters and Fishers Party uh, talking about getting freedoms back and uh, talking about that, which is fantastic. So why does Greg Hunt think he can tell me what I can and can't do in another country? He also said that he's going to try and talk to those countries and stop people uh, from going over and partaking in legal licensed hunts, which I think is quite funny. He's got no chance in hell. But why does he think he can tell me what I can and can't do in another country? Well, mate, he knows he can't. Uh, what this is all about is uh, pure exercise, pure and simple, in playing politics and using uh, people like you and me who like to hunt as arsewipes. That's what he's doing. All right, that's that's simply what it is. You you like to hunt. I like to hunt. I'm just a piece of rag that he wipes his ass with. That's what it boils down to. <laughs> okay. Blunt. Good. No, because this is that's exactly what it is, yeah. right? Then coming from that rubbish, right? Uh, what what he's done is, um, you, you have to understand that Jason Wood is a left wing liberal like him, who's in a marginal liberal seat of Latrobe, all right, in outer ring of Melbourne, and he only just got back in by, or, or got re- elected at the last election by the skin of his teeth. He's only got a three and a half percent majority. Right, Hunt's got over nine percent on his seat, which is a neighbouring seat. Okay, and what he's done is he's doing this to try and help Woods get some creds with the lefties in his electorate. Okay, yeah, with the Greenies and the Animal Liberationists. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. You know, I've made, I've been, you know, you and a whole lot of other people have come to this uh, recently in the last month or so. Mate, I've been writing to Hunt and fighting that bastard since July last year. Mm. I think I right. sent him a letter too, similar. It was last right. year, definitely sometime. I know that much. Mate, I've been, I've been on this case. Mm. I, we, I, I put in two FOIs. I found out that the reports he was getting written to support the, uh, the decision he had already made to ban, it, ban the importation of these uh, trophy animals, right, was bodgy. Okay? We, I, I had... Uh, I had my offsider Steve Larson go in and research it, and he proved that the CITES records did not conform with the with the report and the figures that he had had prepared. Okay, it was all bullshit, and and it's got nothing to do with good policy. It's got nothing to do with 
good conservation. It's got nothing to do with any of those things that are logical. What it, this is a pure and simple is a grubby deal to try to help his mate out. Right, mm. and, got, and, and Jason Wood is a bumbling fool of a politician. <laughs> have you seen him on YouTube? <laughs> I have. If He's you a haven't, bumbling jump fool. I heard I heard him interviewed uh. on Steve Price the other night. Uh, and who elected and, this goose? Who elected this goose? Well, some clowns in 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 the uh, the seat of Latrobe in Victoria. Anyway, look, the upwash, the upshot of the whole thing was, regardless of what we did, and you know, I sent I sent uh, Steve down to. Um, Steve down to Canberra for a couple of days. Ray Hammond, the president of Safari Club, went down there as well. They went and knocked on doors. They saw, they saw uh, Lion Home. They saw Ricky Muir. They saw a bunch of National Party guys who beat their chests. And we're going to go in there and tell Hunt and blah blah blah. Right? Hunt told them all to piss off and did it anyway. Right? So look, you know what's the upshot of it? Well, then at the end of it, I've written a letter. Uh, last Thursday to both Mr Hunt and Mr Wood saying uh, I, I really am disappointed in what you've done but you have to understand that what we are now going to do as the Shoes and Fishers Party come the next federal election we will campaign against both of you in your seats uh, in the federal election in September 2016 or thereabouts and we will pass our preferences to Labor and we hope that we unseat you Thank you very much, yours sincerely, Robert Borsak. There's nothing else you can do. Good, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, they were asked, he, Hunt was asked, look, if you, if you are really concerned about canned hunts, which, which canned hunts are illegal, you know, what they're talking about is estate hunting in, in South Africa. If you're concerned that they are canned hunts, well, why are you, don't you differentiate between wild-taken trophies in other countries, in Tanzania, in uh, Zambia? In Zimbabwe, in Botswana, you know, in uh, in uh, you know, in in uh, Mozambique. Why don't you? No, no, no. We can't tell the difference. Bullshit! You can't tell the difference. They're all documented separately. They're all documented differently, right? No. That look. In the end of the day, this is just an exercise in, as I said right at the very start, of just treating us as asswats, setting us up to be hated, right? And uh, keep in mind, we live in the t in the in the Disney world of now the Lion King, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> Bambi and the Lion King. That's what it's all about. And, again, the people listening to your podcast, yep. if they don't get off their ass and do something, then nothing will be done. Mm. Because what, where they're going for is a complete ban on not only overseas hunting, a complete ban on um, hunting in Australia as well. Absolutely. That's where it's all going. I think you already know about a couple of friends of mine and... Um uh, some people emailed me and said they've personally, due to this result, they've personally gone and booked in hunts in Africa. So, I mean, well, they, 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 they banned elephant hunting in uh, 1983. I shot my first elephant in uh, 1990. That stopped me. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's not going to stop me. And, and and even Hunt said that. Oh well, we can't stop you going over there to hunt, but we can stop you bringing these wicked things in. I mean, give me a break, will you? Oh, no, that's ridiculous. Wicked isn't it? things. I mean, get a, grow a life. You know, since when should policy be made on the fact that you don't like what someone's doing? If it's ethical, if it's legal, why shouldn't you be able to do it? Yeah, that's yeah. the part that I think that upsets a lot of people. Not yeah, sort of what it is, but you know, these people are trying to say, well, you know, we're going to start, go and stop you, and we're going to be contacting other countries. I mean, it's laughable, really. But well, I've actually written. I've re actually uh, today written to the High Commissioner for South Africa and given them all the documentation.
invitation. I've written to the ambassador for Zimbabwe. I've written to Mozambique. I've written to Tanzania. I've written to Zambia. And I've written to, uh, what's the other one? One other. One of the other big game hunting. Uh, uh, Southwest Africa, Namibia. Yep. I've written there as well. I've informed them all of what this, this uh, shocking decision, uh, uh, this disgraceful uh, government has done. And I look forward to campaigning against them politically. And I look forward to a number of your listeners putting their hands up to get on a bus and go to Victoria in yep. 2016 with us and spend a couple of days down there and just do those two bastards over politically. <laughs> that's what they need. Yeah, exactly. Turn up at the, at the front of well, their offices. The, mate, mate, that's what the NRA does. No, that's don't what... turn up at their offices. Turn up at the polling booths yep. and hand out on the day for the Shooters and Fishers Party. That's what the NRA does in the States. They marshal their, their troops and they go down and they attack the member in his electorate at the next polling day and get them thrown out. That's and right. then they publicise it all and say, guess who did it? We did it and we're proud of it. Mm-hmm. That's the way you do it. It is good stuff. Uh, Robert, uh, is it, it's possible that the SFP may or may not have a balance of power at the next election. How does SFP intend on working with the government after March 28th? Well, we'll we, we always work with any government. Um, you know, if we're, if we're lucky enough and privileged enough to have the uh, balance of power, we will work with the government, provided they don't dud us. If they decide that they want to play the same games that O'Farrell played, well, we don't have much choice. We have to fight against them, and we will do that. Look, uh, what is most important is that governments, especially conservative governments, have to understand that they do not have an absolute franchise to screw over shooters and hunters. It's as simple as that. O'Farrell thought he had that, and he's gone. And he's yeah. gone because the Shooters and Fishers Party got rid of him. Kowtowing to people like that does not keep your guns. It's as mm, simple as that. Mm. You know, I, I've had it said to me uh, that uh, two years ago, we're going to get all your guns in 10 years from now. You're gone. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> How is that for a friendly conservative government not coming into power? Mm, not at you all. Know? Any, anyone wants to suggest to me that they can wander around Parliament House in Macquarie Street or Canberra, right, without carrying a whip that they can hit these buggers with politically is a bloody fool. Mm. The NRA doesn't get done what it, wants to be, what it gets done in the United States with its tool set by being Mr. Nice Guy. Mm. When it, they, they, they have the right policies and they work hard at it. When the government doesn't do the right thing, you, you go after them. When they do the right thing, you work with them. Mm. That. You, don't, you, you can't do anything else. And if you're not in the game politically and having a go, then you will never get there. They will just shut you down and walk all over you. Mm. And it doesn't matter whether it's Liberal or Labor. But the trouble is, this first four years of this coalition government in in New South Wales that we've seen, of this coalition government, it's bloody sight worse than what Labor was. Oh, no, we, I agree. I just, I think it's great. You know, I think we need to go hard and heavy. I've always, you know, said that. Sometimes you need to take a different approach depending well, on the mate, situation. I, I, but... I mean, I, I've been criticised. We've been criticised by people for getting going hard on the Liberals. I, how anyone could be a shooter and think that has got, I just can't understand it. No I mean, one the Liberal I'm talking Party to. is the party of Johnny Howard. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, they, they said, to, they said to us when they came in, that is one of their keystone policies, and they're proud of it. Mm. Oh, well, as I said, none of the people that I'm talking to are not unhappy with it, or they're happy. To, I mean, I'm happy to go after them, you know, if that's what it, if that's what it takes. No yeah. problem. And most people that I'm talking to fully agree. But you know, but again, we're not just going after them because we, because we want to. It's, of course, you know, if, they, if they want to work with us and give us some stuff 
that we need, then we're happy to do it. But mm. when you get the ammo bill shoved in your face, mm. stick, that, stick that up your jumper for no good reason at all. When you get uh, the Game Council abolished, when you get them reneging on uh, sound regulation attenuation, when you get them reneging on environmental adjustments for rangers, when you get them reneging on a MACOS grant uh, in 2013, when you get them... And I, and I can go on and on, mate. I mean, yeah. these things just go on and on. Yeah. We work in good faith with the government, and you have an untrustworthy, lying bastard as the Premier. What do you do? Mm. No doubt a very tough situation, Robert. This one we spoke about before on the air. Um, now... If I could just sort of finish, I want to get this all out because I think it's a very interesting one. The polls and the wires sell-off. Now, I just so I'm up front with you, I agree. I don't think any essential services should be sold. Now, I know Mike Baird is definitely, his whole campaign is about apparently, quote-unquote, kick-starting New South Wales. Now, uh, you've made it very clear and the party's made it very clear that you oppose the uh, sale of polls and wires. Now, I think that's great, but I'm also not a bit naive to think that, well, Mike Baird, a lot of what he wants to achieve is really banking on this money from the polls and wise sell-off. Now, again, as I said, I agree with you, but in the next four years, if we stand in his way and don't work with him, say, for an example, because I said a lot of people have sent me an email about this, what can we realistically achieve unless we have a balance of power? Even worse, if we don't, what can we realistically achieve if we're standing in the way of one of his biggest things he wants to do? Well, mate, we've already made it clear that there'll be no deals on poles and wires. And look, this this is this isn't something we've just come to recently. Okay, uh, when we first started with O'Farrell back in 2011, he approached us on the sale of poles and wires, right? And and yet you have to understand that there are issues, there are certain assets that the government has which might not be central to the requirement of the state that could be sold off. We don't, we don't disagree with that, and we've largely agreed and worked with government on those things. But uh, when they approached us on the sale of poles and wires uh, back in 2011 and 12, we said, no, we're not going to agree to that, okay? And that's been our stance since then, and it isn't going to change now, right? It's, it's not a matter of what the, government, what the government is going to do or not do. He'll make all sorts of promises uh, in this election and tie everything to that particular no plan B approach that he's got. But the reality is what he should be doing is looking at the longer-term financing and structuring of these infrastructure programs he's talking about. I mean, the guy, for goodness sake, the guy is an investment banker, okay? Interest rates are at historic lows, right? You're talking about building infrastructure uh, that could last 100 years, right? You're talking about giving away a cash flow of potentially nearly $100 billion over 100 years. And don't fool yourself, this lease and sale, it's all the same, it's a, it's a sale. Why would you, would you give away $100 billion that you could get over 100 years to get $20 billion today? It doesn't even work on a discounted cash flow basis. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. The other thing is, what he could do is he could set up a, um, a uh, investment fund, he could set up an infrastructure, a bank, if he wanted to, he could even roll up some other assets into it and he could actually float it as an investment in an investment vehicle if he was really that keen, right? And we could all take advantage of it by uh, looking to uh, uh, invest some of our superannuation money in it. But he hasn't done any of those things, right? He hasn't explained to us how he's going to fill the $100 billion hole that he's putting in 
the state budget for the next 99 or 100 years. He hasn't talked about that. It was in the news today that uh, UBS did a financial report which talked about, they reckon that, yes, maybe the uh, poles and wires from the banking point of view is quite good. Keep in mind that they're going to get probably $50 million worth of fees to do it. It's good for the state, but bad for the budget. So they wiped out the words bad for the budget. Of course it's bad for the budget. They're going to lose a billion dollars a year. So, so I don't... I, and, and there are other reasons on the financing side. On the other side of the thing, of the coin, I don't believe that what we should be doing is selling off one of our core unique natural monopolies in the poles and wire, wires to an overseas investment, a Chinese power company or for example, a Singaporean superannuation fund, because all they're going to want to do is maximise profits, which yep. is what they'll do, and they'll be minimising the amount of maintenance they do. Yep. I mean, what caused the Black Saturday fires four years ago in Victoria? Lack of maintenance on the privately owned grid that the Kennett government sold off. That's yep. what caused it. That's what caused it. There's no question of it. So do we want to be in that position in 20 years, 30 years from now? No. Do we want to have electricity prices and therefore employment and therefore the cost of doing business in New South Wales not controlled by believers of government but controlled by some deal to make a foreign corporation rich? I don't yep. think so. Yep. We're not gonna, and that's why we're not going to support it. Just for a laugh, Rob, I just I think this would be a good one. Let's say my, obviously we're talking fairyland fairy and unicorns here, I guess, but my bed come to you tomorrow and said, Robert, I really need those poles and wires sold off. This is going to fund my infrastructure. And he told you he was going to get rid of the ammo bill and he was going to get rid of registration in New South Wales. What would you do? I can't change my mind. I told the electors of New South Wales we won't be no deals on poles and wires. Even for the ammo bill of registration, really? Jason, I'm a man of my word. All right. Just asking you the question. I thought we'd have a bit of a giggle. The Fishers Party, mate, are in for the long haul. Good stuff. No, it's all right. I just thought I'd have a bit of a laugh about it. Just just see see what you do. I understand exactly what you're saying, but, mate, I've been asked that question not with those examples, but I, <laughs> I've been asked that question by every media outlet in the state in the last two months. Politically, mate, that would be the death of the party. All right. Um, what's the next one? Just looking through my list. I've got Frank here. Now, I know um, this has been a big one, uh, Robert, as you would know, uh, since the uh, uh, Lint Cafe siege. People about self-defence, concealed carry, all this stuff. Now, Frank says... Um, he's a regular listener. He emails me quite a fair bit, actually. Uh, he's from out there in Western Sydney near me. And he says, if we, don't expect, uh, if we don't expect police to defend themselves from violent thugs unarmed, how does a poor average civilian, say, with no training, expect to defend themselves? Case in point being the Indian lady just recently in Westmead slash Parramatta, just last week being stabbed to death while talking uh, to her husband. I know the SFP has up- updated their policy on self-defence. Can you have a bit of a chat with us about that? Well, look, I think our policy talks about this, that situation that we should be able to get, have and use firearms for personal defence. And whether, whether that particular lady would have had a firearm or not, I don't really know. But uh, in the end, we don't see that there is an issue or a problem with that. I mean, you, if you want to have a firearm for personal defence or uh, defence of yourself or your property, you should be able to. It's as simple as that. Um, I, I don't see that that's an issue. But the question, of course, is... Will you, will you get it under the current circumstances, given the National Firearms Agreement, the way it is? Um, 
you know, we're, we're heading down the track of another NFA review uh, after the Lint Cafe disaster. And uh, the federal government and the state government, of course, have gone very quiet on it now in this last few weeks before the election because they know what will happen if they made an issue out of it. But Baird was on the record uh, four weeks ago saying that uh, they're going to have a close look at it all again. Now, this is yet another example of uh, the NFA being used as a weapon to uh, to uh, further restrict and control uh, law-abiding firearms owners as if it's our fault. Yep. But, but I mean, according to the government, though, and the Howard gun laws that Mike Bear was championing a few weeks ago, I mean... How did how did Man's Mo- Monus get a uh, his hands on a pump action shotgun if it was illegal and well, you know, banned in 1996? But there is the question, isn't it? There is the question. Mm. You know? I mean, I, you know, I, I, as I said in that interview, you asked me the question before. Uh, you know, uh, I said I don't want a pump action shotgun. What I'm saying is I don't want a sawn off pump action shotgun. You know, I've I've stood up uh, uh, on uh, on national TV in uh, Four Corners, for example two or three years ago, uh, and said that people like us should be able to have uh, automatic shotguns, automatic rifles to use, because we should be able to be trusted, okay? And if people go back and have a look at that show, you'll see that I got grilled uphill and downdale about that particular issue too, and the bottom line is law-abiding firearms owners should be able to have legal access to those types of firearms. What I don't want to see is a situation where I don't want a and have no use for a sawn-off uh, pump-action shotgun. The issue is, of course, that thing just turned up. Where did it come from? Oh, well, it comes from what they call the grey market. Yet they don't have a policy to do anything about that. You know, their, their policy is, well, I don't know what their policy The only policy I can think of that wouldn't try to get some of that stuff off the street is a permanent amnesty, for example. But when this government came to power, uh, they stopped the effective amnesty that firearms dealers had when they could actually register unregistered firearms without any questions asked. Now you can't do that anymore. So, it, it, and, and I know too that ASIO, I think someone was, someone was saying, it might have been ASIO or one of, the, one of the intelligence services was saying that, oh, there's at least 250, excuse me, thousand firearms in what they call the grey market. Um, well, I... I don't think the reality is they wouldn't have a clue how many were there. Yeah. I mean, I know people always say, Rob, they say, oh, well, you know, if someone, I mean, you can go six or one half dozen the other. Some people say, oh, well, if someone had a gun in there, but what is if they didn't? But my point is, well, you know, no one did. So the example of what we saw in the Link Cafe was exactly what happened. People well, died look, because, my, you know. My, my attitude, my attitude's a little bit different. I, I, I don't believe that, uh, and... And, I, and there are very, very few circumstances, even in the United States, mate, where, mm. uh, where, where some of these, um, uh, these terrible massacres occur. How many of those massacres that you've heard of in the last five years or ten years in the United States, even in concealed carry states, have actually had anyone who, who was carrying at the time that managed to do anything about it? Can you can you even quote one to me? Yeah, no, because I mean most of them were gun-free zones. Most people couldn't carry that's, guns in those that's areas. That's right. And these mm. buggers go into gun-free zones to do it for mm. exactly that purpose. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So you know the argument says, oh well, you know if we had if we had three guys in there with guns, well, do you think the Lint Cafe would not have been a free zone? Yes, that's that's the point. I mean it's it's easy to throw these things around, but in the end of the day. Um, would it actually have happened in reality? I don't know. But uh, 
I, I you know... I understand the, where the, they're the, coming from. I understand where you're coming from as well. But the, 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 real issue, the real issue is not concealed carry. The real issue is not, you know, whether we've got automatics or not, or pump-action shotguns. Yeah, yeah. The issue is we've got to attack the core problem, and the core problem is we can't even have this discussion until we get the NFA sorted out. True. Yep. That's what it's all about. And 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 rattling on about, um, uh, as, as interesting as it is to think about it, rattling on about having concealed carry and uh, and all the other things, it's nice, right? But it isn't going to achieve anything because in the end what it is is divisive. Because what's happening is what we're trying to do as a, as a party is grow the concentrated mass of shooters. That's what we're trying to do. People that just want to talk about the unachievable, right? Again, it all feels feels good. It's like it's like piddling in your in your pants when you're wearing a dark blue pair of trousers. No one can see it, but feels good, right? Now that's the problem with the whole thing. What we really should be doing is saying, yeah, we we want these things, but really, what are the achievable goals we've got to work towards to try to get there? And you know, at the moment, the the big problem we've got is the NFA. National Firearms Agreement. Why are we trying to expand the party's influence, Jason, Australia-wide? Why are we in Western Australia? Why are we in Victoria? Why are we in New South Wales? Why are we trying at the federal level? Why? Well, you know, it's self-evident. If we could get arbitrage and influence in every state in Australia and start influencing policy everywhere, create some unity and approach to the whole thing, and increase the number of shooters in each state, we're going to increase our own critical mass. Maybe sometime in the future, maybe it won't be me, it might be some, someone else, it might be you, who's in politics that can actually get it done. I'm, and I'm not saying I don't want to do it. That's what we're doing. The way you do it is to increase the number of licensed shooters in the country and attack the NFA. That's the way you do it. I, you know, all these things are great, but I think ultimately those discussions become divisive uh, and they don't actually add up in the long term to the greater good. Yeah, I'm just surprised that shooters, I mean, not many that I see, but there are a few, how it, beca- it, it becomes divisive to people because, or, or uh, puts a wedge between people. I mean, I understand hunting's fantastic. As you know, I love hunting. I love hunting my ducks. I love my shotguns. I love my clay target. But I'm also, I also believe that a firearm was meant, its core ability was to either take people out of oppression or to oppress people. It wasn't, I mean, l- last time I, I checked, the firearm it wasn't invented for hunting, you know what I mean? It was invented long times ago for generally to take over big groups of people. So the core use of a firearm is either self-defense or along those lines. And I'm surprised it just divides a lot of people when a basic human right, as you'd know, Robert, is self-defense. I mean, it just is. That's right, that's right. You know, and I'm surprised some people are going, no, no, John Howard's fantastic you know we need registration I mean, shooters shooters are championing registration i mean it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life i agree i mean you we, we uh, our policy calls for the uh, the uh, registration of cat a and b yep you know, so, and, and you uh, also yeah. see in New Zealand too. I mean, the, I've said it about a thousand times on other shows. I mean, the police minister Anne Tolley in New Zealand quoted the uh, the registration of privately owned firearms will not do anything to uh, aid in public safety. I mean, you know, you've seen uh, Stephen Harper. I mean, the Canadian Prime Minister gone on uh, firearms, also championing last week uh, rural people saying, you know, police aren't going to be able to help you in a rural area. You need to defend yourself. I mean, this is we're, we're not talking about third world countries, we're talking about westernised countries like Australia. Well, that's right, but the trouble is Australia 
has got a very cynical approach to personal freedoms, mate. But mm. Australian democracy doesn't believe in in freedom. I know it's Australia so sad. is a con. It's still a convict country. It is. Oh. Right? I mean, that's 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 well, that, but that's the mentality. I mean, you how know, do we change talk- that mentality, or how do we change that? Look, the only legal way I know to change it is to do what I'm doing, and that is, uh, you know, get into a political party and fight it through the system. Uh, I, I won't support, never will ever support, you know, the radical revolution <laughs> in Australia. Uh, that's not going to happen because, uh, you know, it's in, for all the reasons you know about it, that, that doesn't make sense. You know, it's uh, we we have we have in Australia the political opportunities opportunism of 1996 that was taken. They were waiting for an opportunity, it occurred, and it was grabbed. And politically, we've been fighting that ever since. And uh, all I'm saying is, if if uh, if people think you can jump over, if, if some shooters think they can jump over the problems of 1996 and go straight to conceal carry and... Yeah, yeah, you know, I know that. I mean, I know it may be, uh, you know... It's not, not going to happen. Yeah, I know it may be not feasible, but I guess people just want... Uh, you know, because people emailing me saying, oh, it's great they're talking about it now. So you've, you've garnered a few extra votes, you know what I mean, from people that listen to my show going, oh, great, I'm glad that their policy's been updated right, on mate. that and they're really enjoying you know, well, it. Well, that's right, but, you know, in the end of the day, there's, we're, we're working on a lot of fronts. And one of the things I'm trying to do, uh, what the party's trying to do, is the fact that you're even talking to me now about poles and wires, for example, and coal seam gas and a few other things. I mean, in the three previous podcasts we've done, mate, none of those things ever came up, did they? No, we only ever talked about shooting <laughs> and hunting, uh, but uh, and there's a reason for that, and that is that uh, what the party's trying to do is diversify its base and make itself more politically relevant to people who aren't shooters. Okay, good question, though, Rob. Since obviously the name is the Shooters and Fishers Party, w- will we, or do you think, will it be a lot of votes? I mean, if people are really passionate about, say, the uh, uh, the sale of poles and wires, do you think? people would um, vote for the Shooters and Fishers Party being passionate about that? Or would they just I, go, oh, I, well, great for the I, Shooters and Fishers I, Party doing no, that? I, but... can, I can, mate, I can tell you now they will. Okay. I can tell you they will. they will. We will get a lot of votes from people who are not shooters, who are not fishers, who don't, aren't four-wheel drivers. We'll get a lot of votes from those people because they don't see us as being a threat. They don't see us as being, uh, uh, not us being a party, but us as a group anymore, as being... Uh, you know, right-wing redneck radicals who need to be trodden on and controlled, right? And therein is how we win the argument in the long term. Okay, if you if you if you get out and they and if you allow the media or the Greens or even the government to turn you into a redneck freak show, mm. no one will vote for you. Mm. But I also wouldn't want to see, because I've been a, a big fan of the party, Robert, for some time. I've also voted for the party. But I just wouldn't want to see you step away uh, from think, you know, policies just, just, to, just to, you know, to, to be popular with people. You know what I mean? So oh, we don't want to really talk about this because it might upset shooters or something. I'd love you to Like the NRA, they support everyone and everything, and they're very full on with their, their, uh, their policies and, and what they do. I just... Oh, well, mate... Don't, don't rest assured that's never going to happen because Fantastic. Uh, we, we have to, what we have to do is uh, is uh, look after our our home fires. But in the end, what we also have to do is expand our influence to the point where we can get enough votes to get enough positions to start to really make some change. And uh, you know, one man band is it's it's almost impossible to you start there. Look. Our, our next strategy will be, hopefully, if we can get our act together in the next four years, 
Um, we've also got to look at what we're going to do in running in lower house seats in the next, uh, at the 2019 election. We will have a very close look at that because, um, first of all, we'll need money, uh, but we will also need some good candidates for certain seats. And we, we will not run every seat, but what we will do is take a leaf out of the Greens book and run key marginal. And, uh, that will then put us in a situation where we can start to make and break governments. At the moment, we're, we're trying to make and break policy we've got to take it to the next step, just as the Greens have done 20 years ago, and start to look at make and breaking governments. Once you start doing that, all of a sudden, they look at you in a much more, mm. even more serious light than what they're looking at you now. Yeah. And I've already said to people that the, the numbers are in more shooters. I mean, we need to get another, if we get another million shooters, introducing that's friends, right. families, that numbers equals power. I don't know how people can't understand well, that, you know. Mate, that's why you've got the Greens. I mean, Greens are, are not stupid and the Liberals are not stupid. That's why they attacked the Game Council. That's why O'Farrell destroyed it, because it was too successful. Right? It was building our base. That's why he attacked it and destroyed it. That's, and that's one reason why we've had the reaction. He got the reaction he did from... Uh, Brown and myself. Mm. How's the relationship with the bad government at the moment? Is it positive or same as the O'Farrell government, still working on it? Or? No, no, look, look our, our relationship's positive with the government. We, we don't have a negative. We never, we've never, even with, uh, even with O'Farrell towards the end there, we were, neg we were negative to O'Farrell. It didn't mean that we were negative to the government. Okay, the, gov the government is a many-faceted and many-nuanced thing, and uh, there are many policies that, on a day-to-day -day basis that they're carrying out that we will agree with, and there's also a lot of stuff we won't agree with. And, uh, again, it's, it depends on where we think we can garner our support in the future too. Uh, but our number one thing is to make sure that we continue or try to continue to grow the strength, influence and numbers of shooters in the state. That's what, that's what it's all about. Uh, the, fish, the biggest challenge we've got at the moment uh, is not just shooting, but, but fishing. I mean, the Labor Party announcing that they want to set up a Sydney Marine Park is a complete disaster. I mean, the Labor Party's now going down the track of trying to outgreen the Greens, OK? And if you watch what um, Luke Foley's talking about now in this campaign, you'll see that that's a fact. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to claw back that radical left-wing Green... Uh, part of their uh, constituency that they lost in the last 20 years to the to uh, to the green, labor lost sorry to the greens Mm. All right. Talking about that, we know John Robertson. <laughs> he's my local uh, member here in Blacktown. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been, uh, well, he's best, he, he obviously has been taken over by Luke Foley, but one of his big things was marine parks and a lot of stuff around Sydney. Now, I know you've been very vocal on that, but again, there's a lot of fresh new people listening to this show that may not have listened to other shows. So, I mean, is Luke Foley on the same page as John Robertson and what are we going to do about marine parks? Well, Foley made the announcement, as I just said, um, um, few weeks ago when he got, first got the job as leader of the opposition that he was going to, uh, given the chance, they would declare a uh, marine park off Sydney, which would then obviously connect up to the other marine parks north and south. Effectively, they shut down fishing on the, on the uh, whole coast of New South Wales. Um, I think that's a disaster, and that's something we would definitely be fighting uh, as hard as we possibly can. Um, as I just said earlier, it's all part of a part of a policy that the Labor Party is trying to recover some of the lost ground that they've given to the Greens in the last 20, 25 years. And, uh, 
it's a, it, it's a big problem for us. It's a huge problem for us. Absolutely. And let's talk about, I mean, I think, I'm not sure of this one yet. I've, I've hunted uh, out west, obviously, in state forests. You know, we've got a, got a great system here in New South Wales, probably thanks partly to yourself as well. Um, let's say primarily thanks to me and Brent, <laughs> actually. you know what I mean you know what I mean let's um, put the credit where it's due <laughs> credit where it's due Robert credit where it's due um, will the SFP stop any more state forests from being turned into national parks I think one of my uh, parks I hunted out far west past Condo Yathong State Forest great little goat hunting territory there probably everyone's going to try and book in there now if it's still available but I know they had plans or it has been turned into a national park what are we going to do about you know the government continually wanting to turn things into national parks well, I mean, one of the ways, one of the ways, that we, I mean, once a government decides it's going to create a national park, we can't stop them. It's just the flick of a pen and they do it. But one of the ways you do stop them is by opening national parks up for hunting. <laughs> then it doesn't matter what they do. If the policy is to allow hunting in that park, that's the end of the discussion. Go ahead and set up as many national parks as you like. If we can get into them to hunt, who cares? Uh, and, and therein lies the reality of, of why we we wanted and we will ultimately get the hunting in national parks that we want. Yeah, that uh, question was from Dave Finney. Sorry, I forgot to quote him there, but thanks, Dave, for that question. And the one about marine parks was from a fellow named John. Didn't want to let me know his last name. Uh, Dean Crouch, uh, question, Rob. Uh, what what can be done? Like we talk about this a lot, probably, but it's still a good question. Can be, can more be done to counter the public message the Greens send out? You know, to ble- blemish basically hunters' reputations. Oh, look, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a continual advocate for telling the truth. Um, there, I, I think, I, I think um, what can be done is that we've got to regularise the image of hunters and shooters in the general media. I think if, if that's the, the number of the question. Um, I, I think the days, certainly for me personally, the days of where, you know, they they abuse me and call me an elephant hunter and that sort of stuff, and the and the media won't talk to me. They're over. I mean, I I'm actually getting interviews, and I actually. You know, on the ABC now, talking about all sorts of stuff. Um, I don't know whether you heard it, but I was on uh, uh, Richard Glover Drive Time last Friday, uh, doing a doing a stand up there with uh, two two other politicians, uh, Rob Stokes, the Minister for Environment, and Linda Burney, the, uh, the member for Canterbury, and myself talking about a number of political issues. And I had talked quite a lot about uh, hunting and shooting and all that sort of stuff. And mm. uh, you know, uh, it was really quite interesting. I should. Uh, uh, actually forward you the uh, the uh, the cut from that because uh, you know it wasn't it, it it's got past the stage now where uh, at least for me personally and I think generally um, as long as uh, people want to ask me questions I'm prepared to stand up and have a go and uh, defend not just defend but also advocate the good things about what we do and why we do it, to the point where they just give up in the end I mean now now they're just accepting of what I do they know it's my culture that's what I do. They know what the answer is going to be if they have a go at me. Yeah, and I and I think I do that on the basis of doing it for everybody who doesn't get the opportunity to be in the media. If you know what I'm trying to say. Yep. Um, obviously, Robert, you're up for re-election on March 28th. So yep. this is, I guess, this is your chance. I mean, mate, there's 35 plus thousand people now that listen to this show. Are they um, all in New South Wales. I don't know, probably not. I get people from, I get emails from Canada, a few bear hunters in Canada. So I, I, get, get, <laughs> I get abuse from 
people in Canada too. Surprisingly, Robert. Surprisingly, Robert. I rarely. I mean, there's one. There's a WA uh, opposal of WA hunting Facebook page where they shared something that was completely ridiculous about my page. I should send it to you. Definitely have a laugh about it. About. Something about hunting and, you know, how women were domestic violence. I don't know. It's just totally weird and freaky, but stupid. But um, I get you know, a lot of different people from different countries, um, different areas, obviously a lot in Australia, obviously. So this is your chance to tell people um, why should people vote for the SFP, not, not only yourself, but the party and Peter Johnson as the third elective. Why should they vote for SFP? Well, look, uh, it's very simple that uh, if you're a registered voter in New South Wales, you're a hunter, you're a shooter, or you're a fisher, or anyone involved in uh, outdoor activities, there is only one party that always and only supports shooters, hunters, and other outdoor activities, and that is the Shooters and Fishers Party. And anyone that believes that they can support any other party, whether it's the Nationals, the Liberals, Labor, or the Greens, in, in any of those areas is just not alive to what actually is happening in the real world. The Shooters and Fishers Party is the only party that has the policies and the track record in support of these activities and agriculture. And it's as simple as that. And, um, you know, yeah, I don't know what more I can say. That, that's, that is the simple truth. And we've got the track record of 20 years in Parliament to prove it. Good stuff. Uh, and again, yeah, I definitely wouldn't recommend voting for the two major parties. <laughs> you know, some people do. You know, some people, you know, a lot of different well, look, things. Well, some, some people might vote. Look, again, I remind people that what they can do is they can vote for their government in the lower house. If they, if they, if they feel that they want to vote Liberal, um, then they can. If they want to vote Labor, they can. I can't think why anyone would want to vote Green and be a shooter, but anyway. But <laughs> they can vote for those people in the lower house, but... What they can do, if they want to protect their, their culture, they can vote for us in the upper house. Yep. We're in column N, N for Nelly. Yep. And just put a one in the box above the line when you uh, vote, Jason, and uh, that would be much appreciated. Because we have ways <laughs> of finding out how you voted. Yeah, I've noticed a few people, Rob. Do you recommend, I mean, obviously I know you're saying uh, number one in the box, so generally I think people don't screw it up, but do you recommend at all, even remotely, people screwing around with the boxes underneath that and putting their one through 21, I think it is? No, we don't, we don't do that. Um, we don't recommend they do that, uh, simply because mistakes can be made. Uh, and uh, you don't know how those fl uh, preferences may ultimately flow, okay? And they may end up electing a Green. They may end up electing a Liberal. Uh, and that, in the upper house, that's the last thing we want. If we mm. give control of the upper house to a Liberal or a National, then um, so be it. You'll, we'll, we'll all wear the consequences because they're going to do what they like. They'll sell the poles and wires. They'll do whatever they like with coal seam gas. They'll make whatever changes they like to firearms laws. Yeah. They'll do whatever they want with national parks and there'll be no one putting a check on them. And yeah, and I think that, we might mention, uh, Robert, I spoke to you before the show, um, in the SSAA magazine, folks, um, there's basically, they had a, a, a spread, a pull out of the National Party. I think they spoke to, I think it's the um, Sport and Rec, is it Sport and Rec Minister, Stuart Ayres, and he's indicated that they support... Police, Sport and Rec, that's right. Oh, yeah, it's Police, Sport and Rec, that he uh, supports the National Firearms Agreement amongst other John Howard initiatives, so... 
you know, definitely, you know, if you're thinking because you own a business or because you do something that, you know, is not just hunting related, think before you put a number in that box because, you know, these people aren't supporting your rights. Rob, to finish off, um, tell us a story, mate. I always finish off with a story. I know you've probably given me three or four since I've had you on the show before, but something that's happened recently, maybe a hunt or just even a personal accomplishment that you'd like to finish off and tell my listeners, that'd be great. Gee, that's a hard one. <laughs> personal accomplishments. I haven't really done very much except campaign very hard. Um, um, personal accomplishments. Any? I, I, yeah. I, yeah, sorry. No, you're all I was going to say. I mean, I know we went uh, duck hunting. I know you went duck hunting. Did you get any good ducks recently? No, no I didn't. No, that's not an accomplishment. I did go down south to shoot ducks uh, late last year, and I must say there weren't a lot of ducks there. Or at least they didn't want to be there when I was there, put it that way. <laughs> they, they, I just didn't do all that well. Um, I think uh, I think from a from the accomplishment point of view, uh, spending two weeks on a bus with Steve Lee was something incredible. Okay, uh, for those of you listeners that don't know, we as I mentioned earlier, we did the bus tour around the regional parts of the bush in New South Wales. We were on the bus for two weeks. It's Steve Lee, Steve Lee's bus, and uh, we rented off him. And but he drives the bus, and uh, he is a great company and. It was really an accomplishment going from pistol range at Coonabarra brand to a gun shop at, in Orange or a, um, uh, a pizza parlour in, uh, in um, Moree. No matter where we went in the bus, uh, we had the opportunity to meet people, to meet shooters. Also, we met a lot of non-shooters, meet fishos. We went to quite a few fishing uh, outlets as well, and we... We had the opportunity to meet with them, to talk to them, to answer their questions and try to uh, deal with the issues that they saw as being important in the bush. Um, and the things that stood out were, and I don't want to add, add more to it, but the things that really stood out were what the things you mentioned before, poles and wires, the sale of, um, native vegetation reform, again, very, very important from a farming point of view, and uh, and forced amalgamations of uh, local government and councils. Uh, and if you say, uh, what, are the, what was the accomplishment? The accomplishment for me was that I managed to participate in that in that whole program with Steve Lee, Steve Bowler, Robert Brown, and uh, and Megan Scott from Victoria, who came up as part of the campaign in the last two two months. And not a crossword was said for two weeks. Jason, not a crossword. <laughs> yeah, there normally was, when you spend two, it's like a band, you know, when you spend oh, two yeah. weeks on a bus oh, with yeah. a band, you want to kill oh, each yeah. other by the now, end. <laughs> it got a little bit strained from time to time. <laughs> I can imagine we still... I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I, I don't like being told what to do very much, but when Steve Bowler's starting to tell me what to do, Steve Lee is sort of having his go as well, and, and Megan's <laughs> having a go as well. It all gets a little bit hard. I had to sort of retreat a couple of times, and uh, I don't often retreat, I can tell you. No worries, mate. Robert, uh, to finish off, if people wanted to contact you or they want to contact uh, you can't, the campaign manager, Tim Horan, they want to hand out how to vote cards or they want to jump on the website, email, Facebook, how do they do all that? Well, it's easy. Just um, They can just go onto the website, um, www.sfp2015.org.au or they could email uh, Horan H-O-R-A-N, at sfp.org.au and... Uh, 
please put your name forward because we'd love to have your help on the day. Fantastic. Robert Borzak is an MLC, the Upper House, New South Wales, up for re-election on March 28 and represents the Shooters and Fishers Party. Robert, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Jason. You've just been educated and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.